This week on Excelsior Journeys, we have actor, voiceover artist, and digital artist Victor Caroli joining us. He was part of the five-part miniseries celebrating the 35th anniversary of Transformers the movie, and he is back to tell us all about his entire experience leading up to before and after the movie, everything that he's gone through. He has such amazing stories to tell. I cannot wait for you to hear him. JLD, do the honors. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire. And you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for you? And that's why I taught myself how to draw was actually the Little Mermaid. Drawing stills of Ariel. I've got better things to do tonight than die. jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater with him saying, I'm going to write home. I'm rather impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the corner. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just do it. You know, throw some spaghetti against the wall. This is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. Hope you've been enjoying season four so far. It's been a blast delivering all this great content to you. And if you have uh, have heard the news from a few weeks ago, the show is now on Red Circle. So in addition to all the different platforms where you can find this show, you can also find it on redcircle.com. I got a lot of really good ideas for this show that are going to be coming up in the very near future. Red Circle seems to be the place that I can make all of that happen. So really looking forward to that. And thank you all so much for your support. Now, I also want to thank all of you who have taken the time to listen to the five-part miniseries that I did last month in August, celebrating the 35th anniversary of Transformers the movie. That whole five-part miniseries was such a passion project, and I was so glad to see it all to fruition. And a big part of it was my second week where I got to speak with five different voice actors who have been involved with with the movie, with the show. And one of them in particular, I was so thrilled to have on on the show, and that was narrator Victor Caroli. And even better, Victor has agreed to come back onto this show to discuss his career before and after the movie, going for, talking about his theater work, talking about all the different narration that that uh, that he's done, and even going into the graphic art that he is that he has gone on to do the digital art. So I am really really excited for this, and just as uh, as Greg Berger himself said that. Victor is such a huge part of of Transformers, of a part of my childhood, because of that voice. He brought such a real personality to that show, to the movie, to all the commercials that he's done, and so forth. And I am so thrilled to get his whole story, knowing what happened before, knowing what happened after, everything that he's been doing now. And it's such a thrill to have here as my guest this week, Mr. Victor Caroli. Victor, how are you, sir? Hi, George. I'm just great. I'm terrific. And I can't thank you enough for being part of the miniseries. It really was just a, a real seminal part of my life as a podcaster. That was definitely just, that was that was right up there, right up there at the top of, of the greatest experiences that I've had. And thank you so much for being a part of that. Well, it was wonderful. I enjoyed it too, because as from the, from the series, I had never met any of those other actors before because they were in LA and I was in New York. So it was a great pleasure for me to find out what Michael Bell looked like and Sue and all the other people and say, Oh, that's why I am. Yeah. Uh, and so and it even, was fun for me too. 
And even better, just like the fact that all of that happened for the first time this show, like that to me is just really That's mind right. blowing because this is such a small one person show that I'm that I'm doing here. And so you're like, I'm doing the recording, I'm doing the, the editing, I'm doing the uploading, like all that stuff. I'm paying for it all. And so it's just like having all of that happen on this one show is is to me just it's a real honor it really is when i was doing my initial search for all the different people that were involved i just had this hunch let's see what victor's up to i found your website and i saw a whole lot of stuff regarding your digital art this is some really cool work here that that uh, you have here and even better when i saw where you're living right now it's just like oh my dad's there so <laughs> i was able to oh, yeah. mention that as well yeah, so. right <laughs> So can you tell us a little bit about the art itself that you do? Well, I, I, I've always been interested in photography. I've always taken pictures for many, many years. And uh, also many years ago, maybe 20 years or so ago, a friend of mine introduced me to Photoshop. <clears throat> I had never heard of it. I didn't know anything about it. I thought, oh, that's interesting. You can kind of saturate the colors a little bit. And you can, you can you know, put this guy's head in this guy's shoulders and different stuff. <laughs> well, Photoshop has been through many, many, many iterations since then. You can do some amazing things with Photoshop and it's uh, the plugins that you can get for it. And uh, I found that I can roam around now in my imagination and I can, I can either create stuff out of whole cloth or I can take an image that I have already made just a regular picture that I took and I can alter it to make it into some kind of like a, like a dreamscape or something or make it, make it more interesting or more something other than what it really looked like. Yeah. And I, I found that, wow, this is really, this is really fun. This yeah. is really an interesting thing uh, to get into. And uh, so I started doing it and mm -hmm. I thought, wow, this is, this is just so much fun. So interesting. And I really started to dive into uh, all the various things that you could do in Photoshop. I mean, I, I reached uh, a certain level of, uh, of uh, expertise at it, but there are people who, oh my gosh, I, I had to go through the magazine sometimes and I look at it and say, well, this is obviously Photoshopped. Yeah. Uh, but I look at it and I say, I would have absolutely no idea where to start with this. This guy is miles above where I could ever be. So there are varying levels of, uh, of expertise, but, but my wife likes to use my, my Photoshop stuff. She'll, we'll be at a party or something. She takes a bunch of pictures and friends and most of the friends, of course, are my age. Yeah. And she said, here's a, here's a great picture of Carol, but you notice it. See that kind of the little piece of flab hanging under her arm there when she's waving. <laughs> yeah. can, can you just kind of get rid? Yeah. Okay. I'll get rid of that. You see that deep wrinkle and can you don't take the wrinkle off? Can you make it, can make it not quite so. Yeah. Yeah. I take care of it. So I, I fix up her pictures of her <laughs> so they don't look quite as, uh, you know, old as they really are. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of fun too. I can put a, a whole different sky in the background because nice. sometimes there's the background there. It's just white. They're just, it's just whited out. Mm -hmm. So I've got all these different skies I can just kind of put in there. And, and it's, it's just, it's just so much fun just to fool around. And, and basically, basically that's what I do is fool around. I've sold a couple of pieces here and there, but it's not that I don't want to be in the business of right. <laughs> making pictures and selling them to people. You know, So yeah, but it's, um, it's just fun. Have you had, uh, have you had some exhibits or anything that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. I, I had a down in Marco Island, which is about oh, 45 minutes south of Naples. There was the Marco Art Center and they, they gave me a one-man show. I hung, I hung about uh, 22 pieces there. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And then there's a theater <clears throat> also in Marco Island where mm -hmm. I've done a number of shows as an actor. And they, in their lobby for every show, they find a 
a, a local artist to hang paintings where they do. And I've, I've had two shows in their lobby. Mm-hmm. And I think they asked me to do another one in February, but I, I think the, the, the message might have been bogus. I'm not sure. I have, to, I have to check with the woman there. I know her well. So those are the only ones that I've had. But again, I, I, I'm not looking to, to be in the business of wrapping pictures and accounts receivable <laughs> and going, going into business. I'm too old. I don't want to do that. Yeah. It's oh. just... It, it's, it's never, like I mentioned to you before, if, if you make money at it, it's business. If you spend money on it, it's a hobby. So yeah. by spending money on it, it's a hobby. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Totally understand that. So with that in mind, it's it's great how how this part of this part of everything you're doing is focusing on the pictures while mm-hmm. there's so much that you were doing beforehand that was focusing on the words and audio and everything. So it's like a video one point and audio at the beginning of it all. The nice thing about that, by the way, is that I can go back and look at my pictures. I can see them. Yeah. But when I do, well, if, at least for theater, when I do theater, yeah. it's temporal, what you call temporal in nature. When it's over, it's over. And you can't, you can't see it. You can't, it's just gone. And so at least with the photography, I can go back and look and say, oh, look at that one. It's, it's still there after all these years. It's the same picture. Yeah. And it's and it's there. I can kind of get my hands on it, you know, as it were. So there is that. Now the narrations and stuff. Well, if I for a lot of them I don't have the the, the pictures to go with. Sometimes right. I only have the mix of the sound. Right. Sometimes I do have the pictures. Um, but I find I really don't need to listen to a whole 60-second Discovery Channel narration all over again. It's just <laughs> <laughs> Totally uh, understandable there. Oh yes. uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. so it's so with so with that in mind, it seems like I mean everything that uh, you do, it's it's very, very much like steeped in the arts, which is wonderful. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's yeah. so let's go back to that lightning bolt moment that I always consider like that <clears throat> moment where you basically <clears throat> just decide for yourself like <clears throat> that's what I want to do. That's the field I want to go in. That's the kind of person I want to be. What was that for you and the arts? What was it that really kind of grabbed you right at the beginning of it all? Well, I, 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 that's a very good question. There are kind of two little sections to the to the answer on that. Mm-hmm. When I was 12, we did a play. And I guess it was like seventh grade or so when you're 12. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to the, you had to do it. It was part of the class. You, know, you had to do this little play. Yeah. And I said, remember saying to the teacher afterward, I said, that was really fun. When are we going to do another one? When are we going to do another one? She said, well, you probably won't do another one until you get to high school because they don't do much on the right, da, 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 whatever. And then I got to high school and I started doing plays in high school. And uh, I remember, and I went to a very big high school uh, mm-hmm. in the southern, sub- south suburbs of Chicago. And there were 5,000 uh, people in my high school. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was, had, was in a play, The Man Who Came to Dinner. And I oh, played, okay. I played Sheridan Whiteside. Mm-hmm. And I was walking down the hall one day and a kid stopped me. I did not know this kid. Yeah. And he said to me, hey, he said, were you the guy that was in that play? And I saw yesterday here. I said, yeah. The guy in the wheelchair? Yeah. He said, man, he said, you were really good. Aww. And I thought, hmm. that was the first time <clears throat> that someone other than my mom, my dad, my brothers, you know, my uncles, whatever, yeah. told me that I was good because they're always going to tell you. That oh, good. yeah, yeah. yeah. But this was a total stranger. And then my senior year, and this was really a bizarre thing, we did a senior variety show. And mm-hmm. the theme was circus. It was done yeah. in the gymnasium. 
And I was the ringmaster. And I had the red coat and the top hat and all that, like uh, the guy that used to be on uh, Super Circus. I forget his name was Clyde somebody. Anyway, it was way before your time. Yeah. And uh, so I was the ringmaster. I announced all the acts and the little pattern stuff in between. And I was 17 years old. And yeah. after it was over, I was walking out with my mom and dad. And this gentleman stopped me. He was the, the, the father of one of the students. Mm-hmm. And he said, young man, excuse me. And I stopped and I said, uh, yes, sir. He said, uh, he held out his program. And he said, I would like to have your autograph. Ooh. <laughs> I said, oh, man. Uh, and I kind of looked around like you're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I said, me? Mm-hmm. He said, yeah. I said, why would you want my autograph, sir? I'm, I'm just a 17-year-old high school kid. Mm-hmm. He said, because... Some and these are his exact words, I'll never forget. He said, Because someday you're going to be famous and I will have your autograph. Nice, I, I, George. I was absolutely dumbfounded. I signed yeah. his paper and I walked away. What, yeah. So then I thought, I started thinking, and now this was just a this was not really an acting role, mm-hmm. you know, it was a ringmaster thing, yeah. but I'd done a number of plays. And, and then I started getting, you know, comments from people in other plays I'd done. And I thought, mm-hmm. they pay people to do this. Mm-hmm. Why can't I be one of those people? Yeah. And then my mom and dad, one day when I was a junior, which I was at the time, no, a senior, they said mm-hmm. to me, do you want to go to college? And I said, well, yeah. And I said, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to major in? And I said, well, I'd like to major in theater. But right away, my mom jumps in. She says, well, then good, you can go on and get a master's degree and then you can teach. And I said, well, Ma, that's kind of not what I had in mind. Not quite, yeah. <laughs> and, she, yeah and she said, well, well, what did you have in mind? I said, well, Mom, I, I'd like to be a professional actor. And, and God bless the two of them. They looked at each other mm-hmm. and they said, well, okay. okay. Now, this is, this is back in 1960. Yeah when a lot of parents were just not about to let their kid go to college and pay for it, mm-hmm. unless they were going to be a dentist or a doctor or a lawyer. Yeah. Or something stable. Yeah. Chemical engineer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Acting was just as unstable then as it is now. It always has been. And it always will. Be. I, I've been in the gig economy since 1968. <laughs> well. <laughs> so, so, but God bless my mom and dad. They said, well, what? okay. Yeah. Why not? You know, they had seen me in some place and they thought, well, the kid ain't bad. So that's how I that's how I went on. I went on to get a, a degree in theater and subsequently went on to a professional acting schools, a couple of them for a couple mm-hmm. of years and I got my union card and started to get paid to act, which is all I ever wanted to do. I never wanted to be a star. I never even wanted to be in movies. Yeah. To tell you the truth. I just wanted to be a stage actor. Like a regular actor, just to stay constantly busy, make sure that well, all the bills get paid and everything, but at the same time, you do what you love. The, the reason I, I really wanted to be a, a theater actor rather than a stage actor, is that it, and, a, and a good example of that is uh, years, years later, when I was uh, 60, mm-hmm. I played uh, Grandpa in You Can't Take It With You. Oh, okay. And one of the women in the cast's husband was a professional videographer. You know, he did weddings and bar mitzvahs and that's what we did for a living. Yeah. So he had all this video professional stuff. So he brought it all to the theater. And this is actually technically against the law i was supposed to do this mm-hmm. but he did he brought the three camera set up and, and uh, put those little microphone the little mouse looking thing microphones on the stage oh yeah and so i had a dvd right back there on my mm-hmm. shelf 
yeah. of that show with dissolves and close-ups. And I don't wow. Know. I watched it once and mm-hmm. I thought, well, I guess it was all right. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Never watched it again because for me, the, the joy I get out of acting, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> is not watching myself act. Yeah. The joy I get out of acting is actually the acting is yeah. doing it. Standing on that stage. Movie, yeah. 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 When they, they yell cut, say you do a brilliant scene with your, with, with, with your, your scene partner in this in a, in a movie. Just mm-hmm. brilliant. And everything is just clicking right along. And just ah, the director says, cut, print it. You go, oh, God, that was great. I felt so good. You never get to do it again. Mm-hmm. So you never get that feeling again. There's no, yeah. there's an electricity. I, 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 I will admit that I, I did my share of drugs in the 70s. It was the 70s. 70s. But there's nothing, nothing. There's no drug in the world like the high you get when you are on stage and there are several hundred people in the audience and they are all holding their breaths. Mm-hmm. Like, like they, they, they can't, they, they're all just right in the palm of your hand and you can just feel that there's nothing like that, nothing in the world. Oh, yeah. Or if it's a comedy, they're just laughing their ass off. It's just, yeah. it's just the best. And that's why I, I don't really care to do them. I did a couple of television shows back in the, back in the seventies in LA, mm-hmm. small parts. But again, you know, cut, done, done, that. Spent 14 hours mm-hmm. in the hallway of the Beverly Hilton or Beverly Hills Hotel. I got paid a lot of money, especially because I got overtime. So, you know, it was a screen to go uh, television show. Mm-hmm. And this time it was overtime, so I got a whole ton of money. But I was on camera for maybe, well, I don't know, four or five minutes out of 14 mm-hmm. hours. It's ridiculous. You're sitting around the hallway. We didn't even have cell phones back then. You had to wait in line for the phone if you want to talk to your agent. And of course, the star of the show is on the phone the whole time. And it was boring, boring, boring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Theater is not boring. No, no, it's not. You're taking (laughs) me right. Very excited. You were taking me right back to where I was in high school because I w- I grew up like really like wanting to get involved in theater, was in my drama wow. club in elementary school. And then we moved to Virginia. We were living in New York at the time and my self-confidence and everything just bottomed out like it was bad. I went through seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, tenth grade. I started to kind of get out of it when I started taking a drama class and wow. I got to meet my drama teacher, Mr. Dameron. And the next year I was asked because other students had seen that I was always writing. I was always taking the time whenever I should have been looking at schoolwork and everything. I was (laughs) I was writing my own stories. And it's funny enough, those stories continue on today. But the but they asked me a couple of students like they they said, we're doing the junior class variety show. We're in charge of that, obviously being in the junior class and the money that we raise for that pays for the senior prom. So there's, there are stakes in here. So we want to make sure we get the, the senior class, the best possible send off we can get. So can you come on to the writing staff? And oh, you know, like, cool. so I, w- I want up pitching the concept that they want up using, which was great. Nice. And then I was coming up with uh, some different sketches with, with one of my friends. We only, they only want up using one of them. And it was one that I wrote just on the on the fly and i asked one of my friends to be this salesman it was like a hair club for men style kind of thing with a carpet sample and a staple gun like that was the whole that was the whole shtick and he did he did the performance and it just wasn't 
there and everything to the point where Mr. Dameron actually called the the sketch boring. And so I performed it in front of the in front of the group as it should have been. And they were all just like, all right, fine, you do it. I hadn't stepped on a stage in like over five years at that point. So here I am, I'm out on the stage, I'm doing this whole bit and everything. And it just felt like, like I had just stopped doing theater yesterday. Right. And I'm just, and I'm going through it and everything. And man, I pick out that, I hold, hold up the briefcase. I hold up the carpet sample that gets a laugh. I hold up the staple gun, boom, huge laugh. And it was like, all that fear uh, and everything. It's exactly what you were talking about. Yeah, it's all yeah. about like that moment of just being on oh, stage man. and you got them right in the palm of your hand. Yep. And I never look back and I studied theater in college and everything. Yeah. And yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean about it. It gets you, it gets in your blood. Theater, being, being an actor isn't a job. It's a way of life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's when you're in a company, yeah. it's a stock company or a regional company, whatever it is, that's, that's all you do because your friends are the people in the company. Yeah. So what are you talking about? You talk about theater. Now, mm-hmm. I also happen to be a baseball fan, a big baseball fan, mm-hmm. uh, which is very, very rare. Among <laughs> actors. You don't you don't find a lot of actors and theater people that are that are baseball fans. But yeah. when so when you're in the company, when I'm in the company, I never talk baseball. I would watch baseball game at home on off night. But when I'm with everybody else, we talk about theater. We talk about the show that we're in or shows that we've seen. And, or about acting, acting technique, the craft, do, 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 all that. Yeah. It's because it's just, it's what we want to do. I don't mm-hmm. think that plumbers get together and talk about plumbing right. or electricians get together and talk about ele- or electricity, whatever. But mm-hmm. when actors get together, that's what we talk about. Yeah. And that's it's it's what, just, exactly. Like it's what, it's what Paul Schrader uh, said a while back saying, like, if you can figure out like any other way to make a comfortable living for yourself, then go ahead and do that. Cause the only people, the only reason why people go into the arts is because they have no choice. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There really wasn't anything else I was any good at. Yeah. There really wasn't any. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a dumb guy. I'm a reasonably white guy. I'm yeah. not Mensa, Mensa quality like my wife is, but I'm a reasonably bright guy, but mm-hmm. there's nothing else that interests me mm-hmm. enough to want to go. What, what, what else would I want to do for a living? I, yeah. I mean, even photography. I don't right. think I'd want to do that for a living because I don't want to take the pictures that someone else wants me to take. Mm-hmm. I want to take the pictures that I want to take. Yeah. And if you want to buy the picture that I took or that I made, then that's fine. And if you don't, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I ever really wanted to do in my whole life was be an actor. Yeah. So I did. I always tell young people who are kind of undecided, I said, look, find something that you really, really like to do. And then find somebody who will pay you to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's better to do that. It's better to do that. Make whatever living wages these days, I don't know, sixty-five, seventy thousand dollars a year, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. than to do find something do something that you you really don't like to do and Mm -hmm. make five hundred thousand dollars a year. Because you gotta get up in the morning and say, Oh boy, I get to go to work this this morning and do Mm -hmm. this. Rather than get up in the morning and say, oh, shit, I got to get up in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. Because you'd be a very short life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Die of a heart attack by the time you're 40. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, like it's life is meant to be lived. It's one of the best lines in Wally. I don't want to survive. I want to live. And that's, that's what, that's what we do. You know, like, yeah, exactly. So with, so with that in mind, like you're, you're 
pursuing at you're pursuing acting you've gotten the green light from your parents and that's amazing by the way and that's that's wonderful that they were they were supportive of that i think that's that's terrific and so when you go into theater what was do you remember like the first experience that you had like stepping out on the stage at the at the at in college oh man i, I feel like yeah, there's a story coming on i do <laughs> i do and i was i was a freshman Mm-hmm. And the seniors had to, to do, had to direct a oh. one act play nice. for, as part of their, to get the degree. You know? Yeah. So this woman, this uh, senior lady, I forget her name now, she was going to do a play called Isle by Eugene O'Neill. So oh, okay. Play. Yeah. So I auditioned for it and I got the lead and I nice. thought, oh, captain, I'm the captain in Isle. IELTS is, is a kind of a dialect for oil. Oh, okay. Play. So it's spelled I-L-E, but anyway. So, boy, I found my lines. And come opening night, and I am so ready for this. I mean, I'm just, I'm so prepared. Yeah. So ready. I'm standing off stage. I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. Curtain goes up. And I, just, and I, and I walk out there, and I... Died. I oh. just like an egg just flopped right on the ground and I just oh. died. And the reason was that I was, I had no nervous energy going for me before I went. I, I, did, I, did, I didn't really know anything about acting. I mean, like, like, for instance, where, where were you? Where are you coming from? Right. And what are you bringing with you when you come mm-hmm. on stage? Were you just in a bar fight and you won and you're coming up? Were you just in a bar fight and you lost? Are you coming on? Did you just have an argument with your wife and you're coming on? Did you, what, did you just lose a bet and you're like, where, what happened? Where are you coming from? Mentally, physically, blah, blah. I, I didn't know any of that. I was 18 years old and I just died. Mm. And oh, her name was Ursula or something, I think, or Uma or something. Mm. And she said to me, she said, you, you, you didn't, have, you came out, you just didn't have any energy at all. Mm. I said, no. She said, were you nervous before you came on stage? I said, no, ma'am. I said, I love it. She said, that's your problem. Mm. She said, if you're not nervous, make yourself nervous. Mm. I said, okay. So the next night, I got back there and I started kind of hopping up and down on one foot and just kind of <sighs> getting myself kind of juiced up. And then I was fine. But mm-hmm. boy, that opening night on college was just murder. And another yeah. night, we were doing another play. Yes. <laughs> this is my, my dad. This is kind of a little, telling a little tale of my dad. Sorry, dad. He's <laughs> been gone 15 years, but sorry, dad. Yeah. Um, we're doing a play called The Potting Shed. And John Bergstrom had the lead. And I had, I played his psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of, John had a million lines to learn. And I, I didn't have that many because I had a smaller role. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time helping John learn his lines. So I was supposed to be as a German psychiatrist, you see, mm. and I was supposed to have an accent like this, which I do rather well now, but I didn't at the time. So I get off stage, and my parents had come down to see the show. Of course, my mother thought, oh, you're wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. My dad looks up at me, and he says, what the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> I said, what? what, what, dad? He said, dad, Fake German accent? He said, oh. what the hell was that? It was, this was my dad. I mean, if I wanted the truth, mm-hmm. I went to my dad. 
If yes. I wanted to be massaged, I went to my mom because my mom thought everything I did. See, I'm the fair haired golden boy, firstborn, all that, three boys. Yeah. So I could do no wrong as far as my mother was concerned. But my dad, my dad gave it to you straight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was one, like maybe the fourth play that I had done in college. So, oh, wow. and, and the you know, thing was, George, my dad was right. Yeah. He was right. When I looked, when I looked back, even then, when I look back on what I had done, I thought, what? He's right. That's a god awful German accent. And I just really just didn't know what the hell I was doing out there. Mm. So it's, it's, uh, that was my, my college experience. Oh, I did, I did some good parts in college and I did some parts. No, that's the way it goes. Yeah. No, after a while, after a while, with some training and some experience working with a lot of different directors, when you're terrific, when you're good, and when you speak, you just, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what the critics say. It doesn't matter what anybody else says in your heart, mm -hmm. what you've done. Yeah. And so now at this point, having done a great many shows and a great many theaters with a great many directors, I know if I've been any good or not. Yeah. So people say uh, one thing and I say, well, thank you or screw you or whatever. So that's, that's just the way it, it's, it's very, very subjective. And two people can see the same play sitting right next to each other on the same night. Mm -hmm. And one person can say it's the greatest thing I ever saw. And another person can walk out <laughs> in the yeah. middle of the first act. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, All, yeah it's, it's just the way it is, you know. Yeah, it's, it's all it's 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 interactive. It's what you bring to it as well. So yeah, and yeah, how you interpret it. Yeah. How was your day? Yeah, you know, it's but it's but it's 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 just something that I can't do without. When we when we were when I was doing it for money, uh, we used to say, don't tell the producers, they'll probably do this for nothing. Mm -hmm. Which is, I guess was easy to say when you get a paycheck. Right. Now I am doing it for nothing. Mm -hmm. And I'm still saying, I get well, I guess I meant it because now yeah. I am doing it. I'm putting just as much effort and remembering all the training and all the stuff that I that I went through before mm -hmm. into what I'm doing now. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not getting any money for it. It's community theater. I'm not getting paid. Mm -hmm. And because I love it just as much now as I did when I was getting paid for it. Yeah. And not only that, but you also feel that almost like a responsibility to deliver an, an amazing experience, the best possible experience you have to the audience once yeah. when, when they come out, because you never know who is going to be sitting out there and who is going to be inspired enough by what you bring to maybe want to pursue it themselves or maybe well, that, yeah. or, or maybe become repeat customers and just keep that mm. keep that fire going. So that's uh, that's that's great. That's a great way I to mean, have that feeling. I mean, I maybe. I may not be getting paid now, right? but the thing that's the same as when I was getting paid and when I'm not getting paid is the audience paid to get yep. in. Yeah. So you owe them mm -hmm. a performance. You yeah. owe them, whether you're getting paid or not, you mm -hmm. owe those people a performance. Yeah. And that's how I feel about it. I have mm -hmm. to give them the best that I have, whether I'm getting paid or not. Yep. They, they pay. Yeah. And, and whether it's whether it's with money or just like their time, it's whatever whatever the case. Yeah. Know. Well, they pay. They know yeah. they, they pay. Community theater down here is is we have one of the communities down here, the Naples Players. Yeah. Uh, and that's just one of them. They are probably the fourth or fifth top rated community theaters in the entire country. Oh wow! They're incredible. They're incredible. They have they have a 
what do they call it? Not an archive. What do they call it? Uh, uh, and they have an endowment of something like five or six million dollars. Oh wow! And, and they have a, a big building with two theaters in it. I mean, it's just. I came down here, and I, I, I didn't know if they had community theater in Florida. I came down here 17 years ago right. uh, from Connecticut. And so I looked at the papers. You know, they have community theater. I said, oh, the Naples players, community theater. Said, oh, okay. Let's get a couple of tickets. So I bought my other couple of tickets online and went down. I walked in. I thought, oh, my God. Look at this place. The lobby is amazing. Oh, yeah. Go in. Beautiful 326 seat theater. And then they have a little black box theater that seats 97. Nice. And I thought, oh my God, this is great. And I, the acting was good. And I thought, well, yeah, these guys are pretty good, but I, I can hold my own with these guys. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can I can do that. And uh, and it was just unbelievable. And the discipline at that place is is better than a lot of some of the professional places I work. Really? And uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And there are other theaters here that are that that, that aren't quite as well, they aren't nearly as as well funded, shall we mm-hmm. say, as the yeah. Apple's players. But they are. They put on some. My my wife just opened last night. She's also an actor, uh, and she opened last night in uh, Torch Song, the Heart oh. of Firestein. Oh play. wow! Yeah, and she's playing uh, Ma Ma Beckoff. And she, oh nice. God, she was hilarious. She was so good, uh, and the play is really really good. It's very very well done. Mm-hmm. It's just that the, the place is not. Uh, the guy that runs it is a, is, is a great guy, Scott Lilly. He's a really, really terrific guy. He's, he's, he's a lunatic, but he's a great guy. <laughs> you kind of have uh, to be one if, if, but, you're, well, if you're in that position. <laughs> see, the thing is, he doesn't have the connections mm. uh, that the people at the Naples Players, at the Naples Players, Naples has a great many very, very wealthy people in it. That mm-hmm. was a very wealthy community, one of the wealthiest communities in the country. Yeah. And... Uh, we have people, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, there's a couple down here, Jay and Patty Baker. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're wonderful people. They're, they're, they're only acquaintances because they live in an economic stratosphere that I can't even imagine. Yeah. Uh, Jay, is one of the, Jay is one of the founders of Cole's Department Stores. Oh, my. And, okay. Uh, yeah. So Jay is fabulously wealthy. Yeah. And he's a really nice guy. And, uh, and his wife, Patty, is just the sweetest lady. If you ever met them at a party and you didn't mm-hmm. know, you would never know. Wow. You would never in a million years know that these people are filthy, stinking rich. Nice. I mean, they just, the, the, the hospital, they have, a, I mean, they, they, they'll give $20 million to the hospital. $20 million. <sighs> so Patty called up, Patty uh, uh, supports the theater. So mm-hmm. she calls some of her friends because she decides she wants to have a luncheon to raise a little money for the theater. Mm-hmm. So she tells Jay, she says, Jay, I'm going to call a few of mine lady friends and tell them to bring their checkbooks and we have a little luncheon tomorrow. I'm going to raise some money for the theater. Okay. So the next morning, Jay says to Patty, uh, so uh, how did that luncheon go? And, oh, it went really well. Yeah. I, she said, uh, he said, uh, how much money did you raise? She said, I raised uh, one and a half million dollars. Then, oh, that's half the story. Jay yeah. then whips out his personal checkbook and matches it. Oh, wow. Going 24 hours to Naples. Wow. Place in three million dollars because they have they have benefactor factors like patty and jay baker yeah who are again just fabulous people around here a lot of things are named bigger there's baker park yeah there's a bigger museum and and well deserved because these people really care about this community and they are they are just super people wow this guy scott lily unfortunately does not have these kinds of connections yeah. Naples Players has connections not just to the Bakers. 
mm-hmm. but the glasses and the, uh, just all kinds of people that have yeah. that kind of that kind of money. Right. Uh, so when you work at the studio players, where my wife is right now, mm-hmm. oftentimes you have to wear your own clothes. Whereas at Naples Players, they have a complete costume department. They have 250 men's suits in the costume wow. department, all arranged by from the 20s all the way up to the 2000s yeah. by size. And you, I went, went up there one time. I was being fitted for a costume, and we couldn't find a belt. So the head costume up there, Dot Ockmoody, I said, Dot. I said, Dot, I said, I said, I've got a belt. I, 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 I got a belt. No, no, no. No, 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 no. You do not wear your own clothes. I will find you a belt. And she found me a belt. You do nice. not wear your own clothes at the Nichols Players. But mm-hmm. oftentimes at the other community theaters, mm-hmm. you do have to wear your own clothes because they yeah. just don't have a budget to either rent or make. They, yeah. don't have, they don't have the room for a costume department. You know, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the quality of the acting is still pretty high because ain't nobody getting paid no place. So... Mm-hmm. Wherever the good work is, I mean, they were at, at Studio Players. They were doing a couple of years ago. They were doing a uh, cat on a hot tin roof. Oh, nice! Thinking, oh my God, Big Daddy! Are you kidding? Tennessee <laughs> Williams? Mm-hmm. That, you know, I, you go where the work is. Yeah, you know, I wore I wore my own clothes. I didn't mind at all. Mm-hmm. It's fine with me. Yeah, I get to play Big Daddy and Tennessee Williams. Oh my God! You know. Nice. So th- there's a very very vibrant community theater. It's just it's just hopping. It really that's is. wonderful. Right. I got to tell great. my dad about this and make sure that he knows. Cause, uh, oh yeah. If he's a theater, he would, oh my God. Yeah. 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 He would, he, uh, he's caught, he's, he's had his, he's, he's had his experiences going to the theater. He would go to see my shows when, when he was there. And then afterwards he would ask me what the hell they, they were all about. So, but it was, it was just a, it was always just like a fun experience to have him at the theater. And I still remember when I did that, uh, when I did that, that junior class thing, I didn't tell him that I was going to be acting. He just, he just knew that, that I had, you know, come up with the concept of the show and I had wrote this particular sketch. That's all he knew. He he comes after me. It was just like, he was, I I come and see him at during intermission and he is cracking up. He just runs up to me, gives me, I'm just like, Oh, you son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was great. It was when, when you have a moment like that, that's really what kind of just gets you going. Like, all right, I want more of that. And That's so, good. yeah. And so, we, well, you know, he could volunteer if he wanted to. I mean, how old is he? He will be 70 next year. Well, if he's yeah. able, he's still very body, healthy. Yeah. Still very healthy. healthy. You know, yeah. He could, he could work in the, in the, in the uh, scene shop or uh, mm. he, could, he could, he could usher, he could do you know, all kinds of things that you could do as a volunteer. Fun. Uh, and uh, get involved or an actor if he's do you think he, is he does he is he, d- he does he doesn't act but at the no. same time like i i once i once wrote a a pilot script for just to see like if if i could make make a go of it and i had him read a a small character early on in it and like he uh-huh. held his own just fine like there was huh? other actors that were doing it we weren't performing it in front of anyone but it was it was a fun little like round table kind of reading and he did just fine for for the short period that he had but i definitely got to tell him about this because i think he would he would definitely it would at least be a really fun trip for him and my and my stepmother to come to go out there and yeah. make a night of it and just go out oh, there, there and take in a show well yeah. there are a couple of theaters here that do a uh, uh, reader's theater yeah and you, know, you just sit there and uh, on a stool and you got mm-hmm. the script on a music stand, 
mm-hmm. and you read it. You, 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 there's no memorization and no. Oh, I did. I did one of those in, in high school. And, yeah, it were fun. Yeah, yeah. Went to a couple of places. Marco Island uh, has a, an active uh, reader's theater mm-hmm. uh, that goes. In. And they want new, what we call newbies, you know, yeah. brand new people. In fact, I direct uh, uh, a fair number of reader's theater. Stuff. Really? I don't want to direct main stage because I just yeah. don't want to get involved in all the politics and the, the lighting guy and the prop guy and the scene design guy. I just don't want to get involved in all that. I only like to deal with actors. Yeah. And when you do reader's theater, that's all you do. But basically, it's teaching acting one on one. And yeah. you, you, it, it, I like it because you can draw the newbies in. Right. You only do one performance. Mm-hmm. You do maybe three or four rehearsals. Yeah. One performance. And especially if it's a comedy, you try to do a comedy. And because when a newbie goes out there and they're a little bit nervous first time, because they usually like uh, anywhere between 60 or 90 people out there. Yeah. And they've never been in front of an audience before. And mm-hmm. they go out there and they say a line and everybody laughs. Mm. Bam. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, you were saying before great. about yeah. that one. The yeah. Laughing? yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And, and, uh, and it's fun to, to, to do that reader's theater. You don't have to have any experience. You, you can just come in out of the blue and never have done anything before at all. Oh, and if you've man. never thought about you wanting to dip your toe a little bit in the yeah. acting pool, mm-hmm. well, that's what reader's theater is about here. You, know, you don't need to. Oh, man. Man, I got to look great. around in St. Louis to see if they're doing anything like that. Oh, that be- I, I bet they do. St. Louis yeah. is a pretty good-sized town. Not yeah, they do. yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I know we have an amazing writing community. I know the Muni, uh, the theater community, and everything is, is really is still like very strong. I got some. I have actually one of my friends that I went to college with, is a Muni performer, and I mm-hmm. didn't know that until like until after we had moved here. It was just like, oh my god, I know, like that's that's terrific. And yeah, so I will definitely, I'll definitely need to to take a look at that just for the sake of it to see what yeah, uh, what's out see there. If some of the theaters are, are having readers theater because. Uh, now, some of them, we have a professional theater here in town, Gulfshire yeah. Playhouse, and every once in a while they do readers theater, but they do it with professional people, so right. I can't get in there, but the community theaters have it, so it's a, it, it's a, it's a good thing. It's really a good thing. It's a, it really reaches out to the community. You know? yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a shock because you know, somebody with no acting experience whatsoever, mm-hmm. except in very rare cases of people that just are born with an unusual talent, and we've had one or two of those, Right. Uh, you don't stand a chance mm-hmm. to go to an audition because there are so many really, really talented actors here mm-hmm. that you, you're just not going to, if you're <laughs> just going to go in there and read the lines like this, you're going to give me as much going because you're not going to get it. Right. But Reader's Theater gives you the chance to, you know, it's kind of like see a little bit what it's like you mm-hmm. know? and uh, they enjoy it. They really do. Now, since you were, since you were talking about Reader's Theater, that, that really kind of, that brought it to definitely had me sitting up and taking notice, not only because of that and everything, but it seems that with the experience that you have as a voice artist, in mm-hmm. addition to your 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 time as an actor, it really seems like that's kind of bringing in best of both worlds for you. Well, like, yeah, yeah, in a way it does, because it's it's kind of, you know, acting is we're not on camera. On your that's all right. Acting is the length of a yardstick. Yeah. And voiceover is acting, but it's only the length of about a, a quarter of a foot. It's, yeah. But it's the same range, mm-hmm. but it's tighter. You know, it's much, much tighter. And I got into voiceover. Yes. In yeah. A kind of an odd way. I was already a professional equity actor. I was working at a dinner theater in Chicago. Oh, nice. And nice. we were dark one night and I was home watching TV. And one of the guys in my show, I 
I see him on a bank commercial. I remember his name, Joe Greco. Mm-hmm. And I get to the theater the next night and I say, Joe, I, I said, you, you run that bank commercial? He said, yeah, yeah. They finally started running that. I said, well, how, how do you get in? See, I got my equity card as a stage manager, mm-hmm. not as an actor. I got it as a stage manager, backdoor. And then I moved from that into acting oh. since I already had the card. Right. And so I didn't know about agents. I didn't have any idea about that. Yeah. So he introduced, I got some of the people in the cast to start introducing me to their agents. Mm-hmm. And this one agent, her name was Joy McClellan. This was in the fall of 1968. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. 1895, might as well be 1492. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, that was a long time ago. She said to me, she said, young man, I, I, was, uh, I was 26 then. She said, young man, you have a very nice voice. Have you ever done voiceover? Mm-hmm. And I said, what's that? Oh. Because in 1968, yeah. nobody knew what that was. I was a professional actor. I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, everybody knows what it is. But back then, nobody knew what it was. Voiceover, what the hell is that? Voiceover, right. what? what are you talking about? So she told me what it was. And she gave me a piece of copy. And mm-hmm. she said, read this, read this out loud. Okay, so I read it out loud to her. She said, do you have a tape recorder? I said, yeah. She said, go home and, and get some magazines and, and read you know, some of the ads or magazines on, on some tape. Bring it down. Okay. Back then, we had these little three-inch reels. Mm-hmm. Little three-inch reels of tape. So I, I got some tape, and I recorded it, and I bring it to her. And the, 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 the short story part of it is that she started taking that tape around to advertising agencies in Chicago, ah. Leo Burnett and J. Walter Thompson, some of the, the agencies. And in three months, I was making a living as a voiceover artist. Wow. Three months. Wow. It just was a talent that I had that I didn't know I had. Now, yeah. I, I know a, a lot of very good actors mm-hmm. that can't do voiceover to save their lives. Right. They just can't. They, Paul Sweat, they used to ask me when I was when I got started doing it. They said, hey, man, that's, 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 that's pretty good money. I said, yeah, because back then, the celebrities were not. It was kind of like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm a celebrity. I don't do voiceover. I'm sorry. It's, yeah, they don't, they don't want to be looking like they're slumming it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And now, of course, they've pretty much taken over the whole Of course the they have. They should keep. Alicia Keys does Allstate. And I, I mean, I, even, even class D celebrities, I'll tell you about that in a minute. So back then, we did all the big stuff. We yeah. did all the beers. We did the airlines. We did the cars. We did the, I even did the, some of the last of the cigarette commercials. I did uh, Philip Morris charcoal filtration. What is it? Char- charcoal filtration system. Say that three times fast. Nine o'clock in the morning. Charcoal. I did a lot, one of the last cigarette commercials back in 1969, and I did Ford Maverick, and I did uh, I did just we did all the big stuff. Yeah. Uh, and we had accounts. I did CoverGirl and Noxima, which are made by the same company, mm-hmm. for 12 years. I did all their network commercials for 12 years. Wow. I had an account. Like, you don't get those anymore. Even yeah. the celebrities don't get anymore. They don't run commercials that long anymore. So it was a different ball game back then. And some of my friends were saying, well, I'd like to get in on that. And these were good actors. And I used to save copy. Mm-hmm. And I had a tape recorder in my, in my apartment. Yeah. Uh, so they'd come up. I said, okay, yeah, come on up. I got some copy. So uh, I'm this one guy. came up and uh, I gave him the copy. 
And uh, I said, okay, here you go. Here's the microphone. Here's a copy. So he said, he said what'd you think? I said, well, let's play it back. You listen. So I played it back and he listened to himself. And he said, oh, it doesn't really, wasn't very good, was it? I said, uh, actually, no, wasn't. He said, well, we can do it. Okay. So I did it and then we played it back. And of course it came to life. Yeah. He said, well, what, what did you do? What, what is it that you did? Mm-hmm. And I said, the answer that I'm going to give you is going to sound like a smart ass answer, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's the right. absolute truth. You want to know what I did? I read the words. Mm-hmm. That's really all I did. Mm-hmm. I read the words. They just, they, they went through my brain and my brain figured out what the operative words were. And it mm-hmm. figured out that it, this is this looks to be a happy phrase, and this looks to be maybe not so happy. This is a warning phrase down here. Oh, but if there's a but there, it probably means but you might be in danger of. But if you oh well, but if you use it, just makes sense. Yeah, it's I just made sense of the words. I said it's all I do is make sense of the words. So I did. It's really all I did. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So and that was really. The secret, I think, is it, it's it's kind of like the guys that are uh, artists, for instance, people that can draw really, really well. And yeah. I have uh, I've had many, many friends over the years, having been in the arts my whole life, that mm-hmm. I've known uh, who are really, really good artists, and they can draw quite well. Yeah. And I've said to all of them, I said, did you learn how to do that, or could you just always do it? And every single one of them said, no, I could just always do it. First time mm-hmm. I ever picked up a pencil and tried to draw yeah, they say they say they all say I'm a little better at it now than I was when I was ten. Yeah, but yeah, when I was ten, I yeah I could draw, and you know I can't draw. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's something that you we're either born to do, or some people can run fast, some people can't. Some right. people can throw a baseball three hundred feet, and some people can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can do voiceover, and some people can't. And yeah. it's just you know, that's just the way of it. There's a there's a commercial one for it's a. Southern New Hampshire University, SNHU, where the the guy, he's one of the deans, I think, that makes this. He does his own voiceover when they're showing the graduating class and all that. And one of the sentences he said, he says, is he said, the world distributes talent equally. But (laughs) first of all, the world doesn't distribute anything. The world is the world. Distributes talent equally really because if they did <laughs> if they did i would have been playing center field for the new york yankees when i was <laughs> when mickey mallow broke in i thought oh mickey oh man man i want to be mickey mallow yeah right. so anyway that's it's really the story is that I, I found out that i could do this i had yeah. no idea that i could mm-hmm. and it paid extremely well yeah and I was doing it, and I, I couldn't get a lot of being successful as a stage or a film or a television actor mm-hmm. is being in the right place at the right time. Right. And I had done a number of things. I did the lead in The Crucible. I played John Proctor in The Crucible. Oh, wow. At Equity Library Theater in the yeah. ELP. And that is probably the premier showcase mm-hmm. in New York is ELT. And Nobody came. I mean, you're writing your flyers and the dressing room, sending them out to L, every agent in town. 
Yeah. And everybody, every Asian I called, did you call me? Did you call me? No, no. And they would all say, oh, that cruise, I've seen that chestnut so many times. And I would say to them, you're not supposed to be coming to see a play. You're right. supposed to be coming to see actors who mm-hmm. might fit into your stable, who might be able to make you a few bucks. Mm-hmm. And so I, I know we can see it. I played Randall McMurphy in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest when oh, I was wow. 30. And to this day, it's probably one of the top five things I've ever done in my life. Whew. Nobody came, because granted, it was Cleveland, Ohio, and Cleveland, yeah. but nobody came to see it. Nobody saw it. So, you know, but you've got to be in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And it, it just kind of got crazy. And I, I started having five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten recording sessions a day, in addition to auditions, yeah. five days a week. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of petered away for like 20 years I wasn't on the stage. Yeah. And then at age 60, my wife convinced me to get back into do some community theater up in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. I did three shows up there, and then we moved down here to Florida, and I've been doing community theater ever since. Right. But it, it's it's kind of just as well in a way, because unless I, during that 20 years, if I had done theater and happened somehow to be in the right place at the right time, maybe, who knows. But I made enough money to where now that I'm in my retire, retirement years, my wife and I can pretty much coast, and we don't have to worry about anything until we will die before the money runs out. So that's, that's what you want to, that's the situation you want to be. That's a blessing. That's a blessing right there. Yeah. 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 We're debt free. And all of that is because a, I made it and B, she managed it because she's Mm -hmm. really smart. (laughs) So I, you know, really would. And both of us are doing theater and she never did until we came down here. She was a copywriter. Oh, so that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of the story uh, of how it, how it worked out for me. Now, I'm um, cur- now I am curious about one specific like block of time that was that was basically my introduction to you, and I was introduced to you from a very specific set of texts that was that was played for me on a Sunday morning in nineteen eighty in nineteen eighty five. Very young. <laughs> I was I was eight years old, and <laughs> and I heard this. Fantastic text. Many millions of years ago on the planet Cybertron, life existed, but not life as we know it today. Intelligent robots that can think and feel inhabited the cities. They were called Autobots and Decepticons. But the brutal Decepticons were driven by a single goal, total domination. They set out to destroy the peace-loving Autobots, and the war between the forces of good and evil raged across Cybertron, devastating all in its path, draining the planet's once rich sources of energy. The Autobots on the verge of extinction battle valiantly to survive. That was just like, I'm in. Wow. <laughs> you know it. Oh, my oh, gosh. Of course, yeah. All of that. All of that. Was, has was, been, it was from the movie? That was from the first episode. The, ver- oh, episode the, of, the, of the very of first the, uh, episode. Oh, yeah. Of the cartoon show or of what? Of the cartoon show. Oh, yep. cartoon show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, my the very, very first wow. episode of the very first cartoon show. That was actually oh, the second. That was actually the second episode that I saw because the WPIX 11 on Sunday mornings had them mm-hmm. airing a little bit out of order. But they oh. showed so they showed SOS Dinobots. And then the very next week and I had it recorded so that way I could go to church and come back and watch it. But it was that first episode. And as it started, I was just like, oh, this is the beginning. Oh, okay. Awesome. I'm in. <laughs> and and I wonder I was, if I could get that on YouTube or something. I, I don't, oh, I don't, because yeah. I don't think I have that. That, yeah. that, that 
one that you just did. I've got various clips in, in the year 2005, the beginning of the movie. I have things yeah. from the movie, but that was 86 with right. the movie. Yeah. But I don't have that. I would, that would be cool to have that. Yeah. I even used one one of my friends like years back. He had, he uh, just asked me. He was just like, "So what is it about Transformers? What is it like?" And I just went right into that narration, <laughs> just like not even thinking about it. It just spilled out of me as if it was just like just bit drilled into my head. It was something that it's a core memory that doesn't go away. So wow. and uh, so yeah. So I mean, what was what was amazing about that? About not only the not only about the text that really you know grab, grabbed me in, but the performance of the text because you have such a distinct voice that I like immediately grabbed my attention. And not only did it grab my attention, but it also made me aware of when you were speaking on anything else, other commercials of that era. And it was your voice that said, and coming this summer, Transformers the movie, rated PG. And I was like, like this, my nine-year-old mind at that point it had no chance it was going, it was just like i know i'm going to see this there is no there is no getting around that so what was it like about there was so much that was going on during that time it wasn't just transformers but it was all these other properties because once once the fcc pulled back on their regulations yeah, for, yeah, for television did. that's yeah. when everything just exploded and all these different properties that were lining the toy shelves, they all had a show to go with it. And quite a bit of them had your participation. What was that like? Yeah, well, I, it's, it's hard to remember. Now, of course, Transformers was the first one. Yeah. And then I think there was something called robotics. Robotics, yeah. Yep, I had a robotics. And then, what else was there? They were all, they, I think they all were through Griffin Bacall. Yeah, yeah, with Sunbow. And you. I know you uh, yeah. also did Sunbow, a you Sunbow did a has Sunbow. Well. You did a voice in My Little Pony too, right? Yeah, I did uh, Turek, the uh, the centaur again with the evil laugh. Yeah, I had a great, I, I have a great evil laugh, and uh, it's on my oh, it's on that cameo thing. We can talk about that later. And so that was that was uh, that was the original My My Little Pony still around. Yeah, I think. Oh yeah, but the yeah, original it's, it's been re- uh, yeah, it's been Duncan. reborn. Yeah, yeah, but the original was Sandy Duncan. I was mm-hmm. the original uh, Turek. Nice. There have been other T-Rex since, I think, but I was I was the first one. But but he's of course completely different. That voice is completely different from from what I do for Transformers because he's a, he's an evil, rotten, yeah. miserable human being. <laughs> well, it's a, yeah, it's a character voice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a horrible guy. Mm-hmm. But I, a lot of that stuff, I actually don't remember because my life in those days was going from one recording studio to another to another to another, and then this casting director, and then this advertising agency for an audition, and then back home. Yeah. And the next day, I did recording studio. I wanted to go. My agent was calling me here, there, 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 there. And so it was. It it wasn't anything special mm-hmm. until the internet came out mm-hmm. and Google came out, which of course we didn't have back in in the mid eighties. And just for fun, you Google your name. What's the first thing you do when Google comes up? You Google your name. Of course, yeah. And I thought maybe some arcane Italian astrophysicist would come up when I Googled Victor Caroli because, you know, how many of those are there? Me and my dad. Right. Well, what comes up is all this stuff about Transformers and the incredible Mm -hmm. narrator and the amazing. And I'm thinking, what? Mm -hmm. Whoa. Oh, wait, wait, what? What? You gotta be kidding. Wait, wait, wait. And it's going on and on and on. On this one, oh, and this one goes on and on. And it turns out 
that this is a, like a cult, practically. <laughs> and hey. I'm thinking, oh my, I had no, none of us, none of us at the time yeah. had any idea. This mm-hmm. was a job. It was a, a, a union job. It's what we do for a living. This is what we do. We move on from there to a toothpaste commercial. No, no. It was yeah. not anything that we said, ah, this is going to be 30 years from now. This is going to be. Blah, blah, blah. We, we didn't know. It was like yeah. all the baseball cards that I, all the Mickey Mantle uh, uh, rookie cards that I had and the Stan Musial cards. I had all those cards that are probably worth like $10,000 now. Right. I, I think my dad, I came home from college one time. I said, I had them in a shoebox. And I said to my mom, I said, you said I had a shoebox with some baseball cards. Have you seen them? She said, well, I don't know. Your father cleaned out the garage a couple of months ago. Oh, I don't know. And oh. now, they, when, we, when we were kids, we didn't know. We didn't think anything yeah. that they were eventually going to be worth. And it's the same thing with, with transformers and robotics and all that stuff. It was work, it yeah. was paid work. And mm-hmm. we didn't think anything about it. So for me now, it's hard to remember. I did not, I did not do G.I. Joe was Jackson Beck. Yeah, G.I. Joe had, yeah, he had, yeah, Jackson that was, had and that was another voice. distinct voice, you know, like the well, way that Jack, he delivered. Well, yeah. Well, Jackson had, Jackson was the, the original voice of. Superman, look up in the sky. I can hear it. Bird. I can hear it. Yep. Superman. Oh, he had a uh, Jackson. Jackson had Aftra number zero zero two, and somebody. <laughs> somebody but he's still at that bo- at that time and everything. He's still able to deliver. Oh, GI Joe is the code voice, name yeah. for, for American highly trained special mission force. You know, yes. Yeah, he was this little guy. He was about five foot seven, bald, with a mm-hmm. great French. And somebody asked him one time, how come you have 002 instead of 001? He said, because I was running down the aisle and somebody passed me up. And <laughs> when they first started the union, that's said Jackson's been gone for you know, a long time now. I wonder if so, he was uh, the inspiration for Wallace Shawn's character in Radio Days, because he was like that. He was playing like the superhero type of character on, on the radio. I, I, like variable doers, wherever you are. And then, then they show Wallace Shawn afterwards at a, at a party and he's, Wallace Shawn. So this is like a small, yeah. you know, like balding, balding gentleman. I, yeah. It's, well, yeah. I smell Jackson was a little heavier than Wallace, but, but I, yeah. it would be hard, I think, for Wallace Shawn to do Jackson Beck's voice. Jackson oh, yeah. had this huge voice, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know that Wallace could, could bring that off. Wallace does not have that gigantic voice. That Jack, we had a lot of guys. There was a guy named Jeff David, who was just one of my very dearest friends who passed away a while back, way mm-hmm. before his time. Because he was just a couple of years older than me, and he should still be here. I have this. I show this to. I still, I still keep a Jeff David keychain right here. Oh, wow. I have to tell you a funny little story about Jeff. He's, he was a wonderful guy, and I had a fantastic voice. Mm-hmm. And his company was called uh, Second Wind uh, Productions. That's nice. So, so I, I was not. Incorporated. I had been incorporated, but then I disincorporated it. So I called him up one day and I said, Jeff, I've been, uh, I was thinking about reincorporating. And I've had a couple of names in mind the way I just want to kind of wanted to run them by to see what you thought. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, what, what do you have in mind? But I said, Well, the first name that came to mind was First Wind Productions. <laughs> he said, What? <laughs> Oh, God.
died. He just, I thought he was going to die. I thought he was going to die. That's like, I, 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 call, I called my own company. I called my own company by George. He's got it just for oh, not only for the, for the, for the voice acting, for the audio, audiobook narrating for, for my books and like all, all that, all that sort of stuff. So that would be yeah. like something like one of my best friends calling me up and saying he had it first. That's the. <laughs> Right. He, he got it from me. Yeah, he got it from me. There you go. <laughs> but uh, was, I was going to tell you. Oh, uh, I don't know. Would you be interested in a starving actor story or two? Of, always, always. Yeah. <laughs> because every actor has a starving actor story. Yeah. So after I graduated from college, mm-hmm. I did summer stock at my college. Yeah. And then I got on a train. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, actually, I went to Bloomington, Indiana and visited my friend John Bergstrom, the guy that was in Body Shed. Right. He was a year ahead of me. And he was then getting his master's at Bloomington mm-hmm. in the University of Indiana. And then he said, John said to me, well, well what are you going to do now? You're out of college. You did mm-hmm. summer stock. And what are you going to do? <laughs> right. I was 22, I guess. Mm-hmm. I said, well, John, I guess I'm going to go to New York and mm-hmm. jump in the showbiz pot. That we yeah. didn't have, and those are what they have now. They have these bridges from college theater into into professional theater, and they're, they're wonderful now. But we didn't have that thing. So, so I got on a train in Bloomington, mm-hmm. Indiana, because I couldn't afford planes. And I get off. I'd never been to New York. I was 22. I'd never been to New York City. Yeah. And I got off, and I really wasn't quite sure where I was. Was I in Manhattan, Queens, the Bronx? Then I really wasn't sure where I was. So I go upstairs. And I looked around, looked around all this traffic around. I, mean, I was really hungry. It was like seven o'clock in the morning. You're taking a red eye. Mm-hmm. And so I asked the cop, uh, where can I get something to eat? He said, well, there's a diner right over there. I said, no, okay. So I go over to the diner and I sit down on a stool. And they had these, in those days, they had these wonderful countermen, these guys with the, the big New York accent. And they come in and they say, and the guy comes up and he says, so uh, what, are you, what, what can I do for you? Where are you at? Yeah. I said, I'd like a cup of coffee. He says, uh, you want the coffee regular? And I'm thinking, oh, I had never heard this phrase before, regular oh. coffee. Mm. So now this guy, he doesn't sound too friendly. And I'm just this kid. And I'm thinking regular, 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 regular to me means plain unadorned. So I said, no, I'd like milk in it. He says, boy, some kind of a wise guy. Uh-oh. I said, what, what, what? Regular mm. coffee, it's got milk in it. Uh, okay, I have a regular coffee. All right. You want anything else? Yeah. Could I have a cherry sweet roll, please? A what? A cherry what? What the hell is a sweet? I've done that glass shelf up there, the, the round pastry thing there with the cherries on. Ah, you mean a cherry Danish? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. One regular coffee, cherry Danish. Come on. <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, I just come to New York City. And I don't speak the language. <laughs> I don't speak New York. I, does everybody talk like this here? What, what is yeah. going on? <laughs> oh, God almighty. So oh, man. I got, my, I got myself a room yeah. uh, somewhere. I, I don't know. Where, what do I have for money? Oh, they have paid me. The summer stock that I've done in my college, Yeah, uh, they paid me to build the scenery. And I played a bunch of small parts. Right. Uh, but they paid me to build the scenery. I built all the scenery and they paid me. So I had a few hundred bucks, mm-hmm. and uh, which in 1964 was more than what the couple hundred bucks is now. Right. So you could actually live on that for a little while. So I got myself a room 
And I thought, well, you know, what do I do now? So I had a friend named Marie Mastroserio. Or, well, she went by Marie Masters. She was on General Hospital for like 20 years or something. Oh, wow. Uh, beautiful girl. And mm-hmm. she had she was in the, the only person I knew in New York. So I called her and she said, listen, she's the World's Fair has job openings. The, 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 if you go to New York, the, the big, the, the big unisphere. And, you know, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That was built for the World's Fair in 64. Mm-hmm. And she said they're, they're hiring because a lot of the college kids are going back to school now and uh, that they had hired for the summer. They're going back to school, but the fair is going to continue. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So I went out to the fair and I got myself a job. And I started going to auditions for non-equity stuff, just to kind of, they call them uh, off-Broadway showcase okay. things. And they were all, it was all approved by equity. It was non-equity, but it was approved, but we, it was okay to do. Yeah. And uh, so I was doing some of these things and, and I, actually people were starting to kind of get interested. Hey, this kid's pretty good. So what happens in December, I get a letter from President Johnson. Oh, it says you are hereby ordered to report for induction into the United States Army. Oh, oh. no. Oh, okay. So. Oh, boy. I to, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm thinking my baby must have lost my card because I've been on school for a while now. Mm-hmm. I'm pushing 23. And geez, if they were going to draft me, because I, I was 1A. You know, I, I was not a student. Mm-hmm. I was not married with children. I had none of the deferments that I was 1A. And I'd been out of school now for, oh, shit, six months, whatever. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I thought, ha, ha, My card slipped behind the desk somewhere, you know, yeah. before computers and all that. So my, they, everything was on cards. So they mm-hmm. probably somehow got lost. Great. Wonderful. Couldn't mm-hmm. have to do a nicer guy. <laughs> so all of a sudden I get this letter. And so now I have to spend two years in the military, which I did. I'm a, I'm a Vietnam era veteran, but not mm. a Vietnam veteran. You understand the difference there? Yeah. The Vietnam veterans were in Vietnam getting shot at. Yeah. Vietnam era veterans, we were in during the time of Vietnam, but we were not in the country of Vietnam. So I'm an era veteran. Gotcha. Uh, and I got out in 67 and I had written letters to, uh, I sent out resumes to, while I was still in uh, in the Army at mm-hmm. Fort Knox. I'd written, sent out resumes to every theater in the country. And I said, I can, I can do lights. I can do set design. I'm an actor. I can do stage management. I can do yeah. that, that, that. everything, everything. And I didn't get any responses until, so I get out. I had to go back to Chicago. This mm-hmm. is my home of record. Right. And I got some kind of job, no pump of gas, whatever it was. And suddenly I get a phone call from this guy, Carl, I forget his last name now, at the Pheasant Run Playhouse in St. Charles, Illinois, about 40 miles west of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And he says, I have an opening as a stage manager. And the resume here says that you can stage manage. I said, well, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm really an actor. He said, do you have an equity card? I said, no. He said, would you like to have an equity card? I said, I would kill for an equity card. <laughs> he said, well, stage managers at professional theaters, which his was, have to be members of Actors' Equity. So if you sign a stage management contract with me, you will take that contract and you go up to Actors' Equity on, in New York and you get your equity card. I said, nice. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that picks up right where I said before, I got my equity card as a stage manager and then, then you know the rest of the story from there. Oh, yeah. So that's that's how that's how that happened. I was 20, almost 25. When I, when wow. I my card. Oh, man. But, uh, <laughs> wow. That was, 
that was a little scary because they, they yeah, yeah. I, I, at any moment you could get orders to go to Vietnam. And I, I, so. Right. So with, so with that in mind, like you, with everything that you've done, all the, the various roads you've taken in this, in this amazing life that you've, that you've been, that you've been living, what would you can, what would you suggest to those who are just kind of starting out who are inspired by what, by the stories that you've been saying and want to kind of go in that direction, want to go in the arts. They feel like, as Schrader said, that they have no choice. What would be the first thing that you would recommend they do? Well, the first thing that I recommend that they do is do it now. Yeah. When they're young. Don't put it off because eventually you may wind up getting married, you'll have a kid. And then once you've got responsibilities mm-hmm. beyond just you, yeah, then it gets a little tricky because you have to support maybe a wife, maybe a child. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very, very iffy. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do it, do it now. Yeah. Unless you're already 35 and you've got three kids and a wife, then in that case pretty much forget about it. Just do community theater. But if you want to do it professionally and you really, really feel that urge in Mm -hmm. high school and college, when you get out of college. And the other thing I would suggest is don't major in theater. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, actually, no, no, I shouldn't say that. Not now. No, I'm I'm talking, I'm talking as someone who graduated from college in 64. No, because now they have some um, truly amazing theater programs. My nephew, Kevin, went to the University of Miami Mm -hmm. and they have an amazing program over there where uh, Kevin majored in musical theater. And at the end of the senior year, they take all of the students and they bring them all to New York. Mm-hmm. And all of them audition for New York agents, New York wow. managers. And then after that week is over, they take them all to Los Angeles. Oh. All the, so one guy the, who was a year ahead of Kevin, yeah. one guy went from the University of Miami uh-huh. right into the Book of Mormon on Broadway. Bam. Whoa. Right yeah. 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 Oh, man. That is awesome. Uh, so you've got a real shot now, but you've got to find a school that has one of those programs. Don't go to some little academy somewhere. Go right. to a school that has that kind of a program where you really get some training. Check yeah. out check out the teachers. Where are they from? What kind of training did they have? Mm-hmm. Have they ever been professional actors? Yeah. What kind of training are you going to get? Do mm-hmm. you want to go into musical theater? Because now it's separate. You can yeah. major in musical theater or mm-hmm. you can major in dramatic theater. Really check this is I just I they had a college night at my at my high school. Mm-hmm. And the various colleges from Illinois and various surrounding uh, neighboring states would come send people over. Yeah. And in room 11 to be this guy and in room 12 to be this guy. And I went around to various rooms. And I would ask if they had a theater program. And if yeah. they didn't, I would just leave and go to the other. So I went into the room where Illinois Wesleyan was. I said, do you have a theater program? He said, yes, we do. Oh, yeah, we do. You can major in theater. Oh, okay. So, mm-hmm. and I asked a few more questions. And they said, look, if you like, they said, we have a play that will be running on do to do to do to do dates. It's called Dark of the Moon. Nice. Yes, Dark of the Moon. And, no, no, I was in Dark of the Moon. They were doing a, a Moliere play. Okay. And he said, 
All you got to do is get yourself down. He said, we'll put you up at the Sigma Chi house. We will feed you. You will come and see the play. Spend mm-hmm. the weekend. We'll show you around the campus. Somebody will show you around campus. Oh, well, okay. And it was only 135 miles from where I lived in Chicago. Right. So, so I got on a bus and I go down there. They treated me great. I stayed at the Sigma Chi house. Everybody was really nice to me. I saw the play. The play that I saw was so much higher than the caliber of plays that we were doing in college. Yeah. And I, oh, this is really nice. So I went there. I should have gone to where my friend Jeff David went, which mm-hmm. was Carnegie, Carnegie Mellon University. Uh-huh. I should have gone because they had the theater program at the time. They had. Yeah. But I did. I Because I, I was just a dumb kid. Yeah. And so... I would say to a high school kid who wants to pursue theater, check it out. Go yeah. to a good college that has a good program that has that bridge. Mm-hmm. And then that's your best bet. Excellent. Just going in like we had to do and just go to New York and jump in the pool. Right. It's a very small pool and there are a lot of people in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, there are. Yes, there are. Yeah. And so that, can- that would be... And where can, I'm sorry, where can, so where can um, my listeners find you on, can they find you on social media? Can they find you out in the world of the internet? I'm on Facebook, but I I never really check the page very much. I'm not really a social media maven. I I don't know why. My wife always says, she's on it all the time. She has a million friends. She's a social, very social person. Yeah. I count on her to tell me all the important stuff. Right. Somebody had a kid, somebody died. But I'm really not interested in what you had for breakfast. I mm-hmm. really, you know, really don't yeah. care. Picture, of, picture right. of your lunch. So I don't want to have to sift through all that. Yeah. Scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. Oh, your dad died. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. I'll get him somebody. You know, I don't want to have to get deal with it. Yeah. So yeah. that's the only one I want. I recently, because of this cameo thing that, that I'll tell you about. Yes. Yeah. Definitely I, tell I, us about cameo. Yeah, yeah. I, I signed up with Twitter, but I, I guess I haven't signed up enough yet because I don't have what they call it a handle. I don't have a Twitter. Oh handle yeah. Yet. And I, I think I'm going to have to sign up with Instagram because they tell you how to how to how to branch out on that. Mm-hmm. Cameo is a website whereby celebrities and voice people can put themselves out there for people who, for instance, my wife on my last birthday. Yeah. She sent me a card. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she sent me this cameo thing. And it was, I, uh, I have a feeling you're probably not a baseball fan, but there was a uh, center fielder for mm-hmm. the New York Yankees named Dave Winfield. Oh, yeah. I know. To, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. To, okay. Oh, yeah. So I, I click on this thing and son of a bitch, that's Dave Winfield. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dave Winfield now, yeah. the older dude. Hi, Vic. Your wife, Patty, tells me that you uh, just had a birthday. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm going, how the hell does he know all this? This, this is, <laughs> nobody's mouthing the words. That's Dave Winfield. That's his voice. I've heard Dave mm-hmm. Winfield into it. That's him. Yeah. Well, Dave Winfield's on cameo. Mm-hmm. So she paid, I forget what it was, whatever he, whatever he charges. It's, yeah. It, it's not like $1,000 or anything. Oh, yeah. No, uh, yeah. You can get celebrities around there. A lot of voice people around there. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did I thought, one for I, I did one for my mother-in-law. Actually, I got I got I, I I bought a I 
purchased a, a cameo from the actor Ari Lehman, who was the first actor to play Jason in the Friday the 13th series. He's actually oh. the one that popped up out of the water in the original at the end of the original movie. And she is such like a huge Friday the 13th fan uh. that I thought that would be perfect. And she's not right. one to want like anything really tangible, like physical yeah. or anything for Christmas. So I played, I played that for her. She got such a kick out of it. She was just like, play it again, play it again. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah that, it's, it is a fun, it is you know, like, uh, it is a fun way to kind of, to get that sort of, get that sort of interaction. Yeah, it's really cute. And I, I, I Googled a lot of the, of the voice people mm -hmm. and, and they come on and they, they say, hi, I'm so-and-so and I'm the voice of that, I'm the voice of this, I'm the voice of that. And a lot of the things that their voices of, I've never heard of. In my yeah. Lives. These, these internet things and a lot of them are very pretty people 25 30 35 they're young and they're fresh looking and their their eyes are sparkling and i'm an old man what could i do to set myself apart from all these people mm -hmm. so i really did a lot of work on my little intro piece yeah and i i started out by saying hi i'm Caroli. i am a voice actor I say, if you are of a certain age, you might remember Transformers Generation One. Mm -hmm. And then a black screen comes up and I had to make my own. I, I didn't want to use the actual Transformers logo because I think I might get in trouble. So I created my own little Transformers thing in Photoshop. And then I do my, in the year 2005, the actual clip, I use the actual clip because oh, it's nice. my voice. I think yeah. well, I can, I'm entitled to use that as my voice. Mm -hmm. So I, I do the intro to the movie. Oh, great. And that. Yeah. And then it comes back to me and I say, and if you're a little bit younger and, and you happen to see the original My Little Pony, where Sandy Duncan played the lead pony, mm -hmm. you might recall T-Rex the evil centaur that was trying to kill all the little ponies. Mm -hmm. And then I have a little pony thing that I did, that I, that I found, a little gift that I found. Yeah. And uh, so I played the T-Rex piece that I did, where I did, 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 did something about the little ponies, ha, 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 evil laughs, doors, bam, bang, at the end, a little reverb on it. And it's right, it's, it's from the original movie. Yeah. And then I did the same thing with narration, a narration piece for Discovery Channel. I did a sports Thing. So mine has all these little clips of actual things that I did. Yeah. I thought, well, that might separate me away from the people that are just saying the names of the characters that they did. Right. This way. And then at the end, I say, so if you would like to send a message to uh, you know, a birthday anniversary or whatever message to uh, someone uh, voiced by someone whose voice is familiar to millions, because mine is, then uh, let's set it up. And then that's the end of it. And yeah. so that's the deal. And it's 200 bucks flat, whatever you want to do. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of cool. I, won't, I I got one guy that right away, immediately, a big Transformers fan. He, mm -hmm. he bought it. I haven't gotten any hits lately, but I have. that's why I have to get on Instagram. On, uh, right. Well, we'll, de we'll definitely have the link on in our show notes. So that way more people can, I hope, I hope take advantage of that. Okay. But, I, I, yeah. I, could send, I don't know if I could send you the link to my particular one. If you just go to cameo.com, it's every, just the cameo.com thing comes mm -hmm. up. Be able to find the one that's to me. Well, help. You could probably find it too, but I could probably find it and send it to you. Excellent. Excellent. I hope that all of you have felt as inspired and just real like 
enthusiastic about what it is about what it is about theater, about voice acting, about about art, about photography, about everything that just that just grabs you, grabs your passion, can mold it, can shape it and send it out there. And just like what Victor said, do it now telling you, like, by all means, do it now, do your homework, get do your research, find out where you feel you need to study, make sure it has everything that you need to get the absolute most out of it and just do it now. I can't think of a better way to really put the exclamation point on this entire discussion. Do you know why, George? Yes. If I can just interrupt just for a second, the reason that they have to do it now yes. is you don't want to wake up on the, la- on the morning of the last day of your life and yeah. say, gee, if I had taken a shot at it, if I could have made it. Yeah. Now you, you take a shot when you're young, you might mm-hmm. not make it. You might decide after four or five or six years that what I just can't compete with these people. And you'll go on and do something else. And the morning of the last day of your life, you say, I did take a shot. I didn't yeah. make it. But you don't want to wonder if you might have made it if you had tried on that last day. You just don't want to do that. Yep. Absolutely. And I can't think of a better way to really wrap put the exclamation point on this discussion than by by saying exactly what what Victor said do it now do not regret do not regret not taking those those shots because yeah. so i hope that all of you have been able to take that and run with it and like i said do it now so for victor caroli this is george soroy saying to all of you ever upward and i will see you next week